0: Welcome to another episode of Deal Breakers, the podcast for the little bit of human inside all of us. I have a very special guest today, uh, Father Brian. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How are y'all? How are you, Austin? I'm doing very well. I'm very uh, glad to, to have you today. I know this was very last minute. You just came in last night and I asked you like, what, five hours ago? Maybe that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this uh yeah you're very gracious to come on um deal breakers, uh and especially because most guests get a questionnaire and time to prep, and you've really had none of that, but you have had some some uh, liquid help with mescal, and
1: <laughs> I've never had a problem with talking though. <laughs> Yeah. This this should be fine.
0: Yeah. Um, but
1: yeah, so he should not be confused
0: with your uh, disgraced news anchor counterpart, Brian Williams.
1: Oh, the, yes, the NBC person. Who right. actually, he made it back on the like, Midnight nightly oh, News. okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, so everything, everything you'll be telling well, will be actually 100% true. Not, oh, exactly. Not I was shot at
1: in a, in a helicopter.
0: <laughs> All right, I can't wait for that story. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but um, we've known each other for... Uh, it's funny because we went to the same parish a year apart, but we didn't meet until I, Notre Dame, until I went for graduate school.
1: So I grew up on the northwest side of Houston, went to St. Thomas More grade school, high, and then went to that parish through high school personally. We went to Prince of Peace up in Tomball yeah. when we lived up in Jersey Village. And then... Freshman year, sophomore year of high school, we moved down here to Sugarland, and that's when we started coming to St. Lawrence. Oh, okay. So, and that's and soon after that, my name just slowly appeared on the back <laughs> wall of the church. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: your name appeared on the back wall of the church for like the vocations wall, right? Right? So, for those who were discerning religious life. And uh, when I was at Notre Dame, um, yeah, I think I heard you. We had a class together, John Cavadinis, Early Church. Yes. And I yes. heard you talking. I think about like. Sugarland or Houston or something. And then I heard the name Brian Williams, like, why do you look familiar? Why does that name sound familiar? Of course it was the anchor. But I remember seeing you on the vocations wall at St. Lawrence and I think I asked you and um You had seen my mugshot. I had seen your mugshot. And then we became friends and uh a few Texas parties later, some briskets and hardcore margaritas and
1: those those the briskets actually turned out really well. They really
0: did, yeah. We we spread uh, the gospel of Texas yes. throughout in, uh, South Bend, Indiana. Um, so yeah, those to were, those who would listen, yeah, those went on in infamy, or infamy I think, right? Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so now now it's great, and um, you were just uh, recently ordained, April
1: twenty
0: seventh. Yeah, how, well, happy one month anniversary.
1: Well, thank you. Thank how do, you. how does it
0: feel to be a priest?
1: It's it's exciting. At, at first, it was the Sunday, the day right afterwards. I was We were ordained on Saturday. And someone asked me, I was like, so Brian, like, do you, do you feel different? Does, can you feel like you're changed in some way? I'm like, well, I feel exhausted. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess that's a priestly feeling. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not exclusively to the priesthood. To be a servant, right? Um, and already. <laughs> oh, exactly. No, and it. but it's been exciting. It's been exciting. I'm out at Stonehill College. Up. It's about halfway between Boston, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. So it's when we're not, and I work in campus ministry, live in one of the freshman residence halls. Um, so both of those, you see an awesome number of students. But they also farm us out to various parishes that need help. Um, and so recently I was helping out in one parish. They called up and said, hey, our pastor had to go for surgery can you help out and i said like, oh sure I, I can take mass on sunday so they said like, oh great can you also take some baptisms yeah and we have a funeral on wednesday so in the course of four days i did we had a wedding at campus for an alumna a lady who was an alumni there was the following day i had two sunday masses and three baptisms at the local <laughs> parish wednesday was a funeral. So you see the whole span of of human life, yeah. Potentially in the course of a day, I've got it down to four days now. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So you've just been nonstop ever since. It's it's exciting. I will admit, there's that was being like involved in all of that. Like that was a moment where I was like, I love being a priest. Yeah. Was that was all? You get to meet people with their little kids and whether or not they're worried about the kids crying or pooping in the middle of the (laughs) baptism or like you have someone who is just beside themselves and excited and nervous and knows that this is what they want at their their wedding day and then a family who's like emotionally distraught from the death of one of their family members and you just... You're able to kind of move in, whether it's a joyful or a sorrowful occasion, and kind of move in as our kind of constitutions, our rule of life sake, kind of like without awkwardness yeah. in those situations and is there what I can. Is
0: there a, like, a? did you feel an actual change when, during the ordination? Like within Not, your spirit or within something? Or was it just kind of more of a mundane...
1: I don't think so. – I mean not like a – wow, I'm six feet taller now. <laughs> I I'd become a priest if that was <laughs> how it worked. <laughs> no, it's – some people – people experience their emotions differently. Maybe this ties more into your relationship side of your podcast. But like some people like will cry at really joyful occasions I think maybe I do that, but I tend to smile. <laughs> and it's like when we had two students who kind of have been involved in campus ministry and that I know who presented me, did an excellent job. I think they did a great job, best job, but that's unbiased. Uh-huh. But I was ear to ear just grinning <laughs> and laughing. And they have one moment where every priest there can celebrating comes and lays hands um, in prayer yeah. over those getting ordained, which is a very powerful moment. Some people would just like start like. And how many priests were there? Because it's all of you're part of the Holy Cross congregation,
0: congregation. Of Holy Cross, the University
1: but, of Notre Dame. But anyone who like it's there was <laughs> funny. Bishop Cahill from Victoria, Texas, right? Yeah, was in town for something completely unrelated the day before. Found out that I I had met him. He had lunch with him back when he was a priest before. And this was five six years ago, and he's like, "Oh, I know that guy. Do you mind? <laughs> Did you, can I come tomorrow?" And so he was he was one of the guys, yeah, who was there. Uh, but it was I think it was anywhere from a hundred to one hundred and twenty. Yeah, it was uh, tons of priests. It was really beautiful. So some people say there's a priest shortage in the church. I think Notre Dame's just hogging them all. I think so. <laughs>
0: yeah, I apologize because I showed up late and didn't realize how packed it would be. Not late. I showed up. Still like fifteen minutes before mass and I was all the way in the back. Like so I I I think most seats are
1: reserved thirty or forty five minutes out. Yeah. it's there was five people. The number a couple of them were local. A couple of them had worked in dormitories on campus. Right. There was a lot to pull from.
0: Yeah, no no no. But it was still it
1: was still beautiful even just to kind of be there.
0: So yeah, so it sounds like no regrets.
1: No, uh, it's 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 exciting. Yeah. It's I mean you're not like floating on cloud nine every day, but <laughs> it's it's a wonderful, it, exciting life. That yeah, I'm excited to
0: yeah. No moments where you just woke into. up and said, "Oh, oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> I made a huge mistake." <laughs> no. Okay, well praise God. God no. <laughs> do you think there's? Do you think there's also? Because um, I've been thinking like ordination is kind of like a wedding in a lot of respects especially like when you go right like and the family's there and kind of this kind of giving away right it's a moment of lifelong commitment and ex- exactly that do you think there's also like a honeymoon phase when it comes to
1: oh sure i mean you I mean there's a whole series of like victory lap masses so you do your mass of thanksgiving the day after Yeah, And then you go back to wherever you're serving. So I went back to Stonehill, and we had a big mass and celebration there. Then I've been helping out with Holy Cross Parish, who's down the street. So I had a mass there. Um, They kind of made an announcement and kind of big deal about it at the Baccalaureate Mass. Yeah. The following weekend. And so it's just been – and then I'm back in town for – the Mass here at Saint Lawrence. Yeah, you're like welcome to Mass. Big, well, they're they're making a big deal out of it. <laughs> they too. really are, yeah. So, which is, which is exciting, and it's a it's a great sign of vibrancy that because one of the one of the cool things is that while it's like this big deal for like oh Father Brian like that, this must be such a big moment for you and your family it's like, <laughs> like well yes but it's also a big moment for just people in the church as well yeah there was a family who came up to me right after the ordination mass never met them before i don't think any of my classmates had met them before they just come they said oh we just come to the ordination mass every year yeah it's like will you give us your blessing and so they're like and so and we said a short prayer and i gave them a blessing but it was for them in their moment i was like the in, in the, the priesthood that There was a newly ordained priest, there right. was something significant for their faith about that moment,
0: right? And it's for them, too, right? Exactly, like, they understand
1: that, like, exactly. This isn't
0: just for your family, this isn't just for those who know you, those in Stonehill, it's for exactly all members of the church.
1: And that's... when the parish calls and says, Hey, we have a funeral, can you come? <laughs> right, that's that's a moment where it's like, Yes, that's
0: do you have so you said, like, you how you had funeral masses, baptism, what all of that. Do you? Uh, how do you have time to like come up with
1: those homilies? You just some, <laughs> sometimes they come. Sometimes. Or do
0: you have like so far like a a static like all right this is my funeral homily I just kind of change some things here and there. Or this is my wedding homily.
1: Well, I haven't had that many funerals. Yet. Oh, Okay, <laughs> well that's that's good too.
0: There, there's one priest that I've been just by 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 chance three of his weddings, and. Uh, he gives the same homily every time, which is fine. It's a beautiful one, but it's the exact same
1: one every time. Yeah. And it's, and that's easy when you have a different crowd each yeah. time. Some of it, though, is... I mean, person, people tend to come back to the same themes. So that's I, think, true. I think some of it... Every now and then you'll hear someone say, like, oh, well, every priest just has one homily, which is less to say this is the one thing that they ever, like, preach. You're right. As much as a certain theme and cause I think preaching flows out of one's own faith life and encounter with Christ. And I think some of the more exciting, fruitful homilies in my own opinion have been when I've been more engaged in prayer, more active in doing like spiritual reading, like reading on kind of spirituality or theology topics. Right. Um, and so it's listening to a podcast or a homily on YouTube. And so it's... I think when that's more engaged, then it comes and flows more actively. Mm. In yeah. That
0: I've definitely been in some masses where it's like, you didn't prepare. Yes. <laughs> you know, right? Like, It's like you didn't... Yeah, it's clear you're freeballing
1: up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The worst thing you want is, <laughs> well... I haven't had time to prepare for Mass to give a homily, so just a few thoughts. Right, yeah.
0: <laughs> or like when they come in, they say... Uh,
1: Don't worry, it'll be short. Right, exactly. <laughs> Don't worry, it'll be short. That's code for... 20 minutes later. Right, yeah. It's like, Father, I was supposed to be at work 10 minutes ago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and, and going back to the theme of, of ordination as it's kind of like wedding, I know there's some priests who who do view it as that? As like, now I'm married to the church and they wear a wedding ring. Mm-hmm. Is that something, do you wear a wedding ring? Do you kind
1: of see that? Or is that just maybe not your, I, or know, what's your view on that? Yeah. I know priests who do that. I think that's great. I mean, just practically speaking, I haven't done it yet. Okay. I haven't had time to do it. That, I mean, that sounds like something in the future that would be really cool to do. So it's, but yeah, it's, you see it as like, this is my commitment to it. it's, and so it's ultimately like, the wedding ring is the symbol of the married couple and their uh, unending love right for each other. So, practically speaking, it can be helpful. Yeah. So it's like, oh, he's taken.
0: Right. Yeah. And I've also met like other priests who who are like, no, I don't really. I'm not. I'm not I'm against not. it. I think it's a. I'm like. Right. That's got. If that's something, but you're still kind of dating the church right now, and just kind of you don't want to make that. Oh, exactly. That commitment, right? Completely. Don't want to put labels on your relationship with the church.
1: Exactly. Just (laughs) whatever (laughs) comes along. No, (laughs) no. Yeah.
0: No, no. Yeah, that that was a joke. That was a joke. May the record show that was a joke. (laughs) Um. All right. Uh.
1: Well. What. You're on a fun podcast.
0: Yeah, I think it's fun. <laughs> I think it's. I think it, the guest helps. So, uh, <laughs> I hope. When did uh, When did you make? When did you decide to become a priest or that go down the path of more so of, of that?
1: How old were you? Well, there's two answers to that question. <laughs> to follow a holy monk this morning, <laughs> and then. Answer your pra- your question the way you're actually asking it. Oh, yeah. I get it now. Sorry, I was I was literally thinking there's a monk here in
0: Houston. <laughs> I thought you were with your family. I actually, funny story. This morning on the way to work, I passed uh, Father Brian on his
1: yes. on the freeway
0: at like 6:50 in the morning. So Not that's like, why I was thinking. I was like, a holy like monk? that
1: looks like Austin's
0: car. I was like, I think that's I think that's <laughs> Father Brian and his mom, but it was his brother. It was... <laughs>
1: Sorry, sorry, bud. (laughs) The um. Anyways, yes, the monk the monk one this morning is meant to be meant to get like the daily commitment of you wake up and this is when you're going to live that commitment out. The other question of like when did you first start thinking about this was we always had at St Thomas More there's our pastor would preach vocations very frequently. And then 10, 15 years later, five of us went off to the seminary. Oh, wow. So a couple of us, I think three or four of us, I think actually are still going through. Um, but that was, that was where the, I think the seeds first started getting planted, just as in the big picture of this is an option. Like, this is an option. Right. Even in seventh grade, we went on a retreat for one of our little Catholic awards and scouts. And that was when, coming back from that retreat was when the question really first kind of, you might say, like, came came alive, like, became live. I was like, God, do you want me to be your priest? And I would have days where I would go back and forth and be like, oh, no, no, that's, that's not, I'm not, and essentially, like, I'm not feeling it today. Right, yeah. And other days where we you're like, yeah, absolutely, like, let's do this. And it was when... There was, at, I went to Strike Jesuit in town, the local Jesuit high school, and there was two days that they had, called the Jesuit days, where the novices, who were in the first stages of formation, presented the first day on who are the Jesuits and what does it take to become a Jesuit, and the second day was just purely their stories. This is me, I grew up here, and this is what made me enter the Jesuits. And the class period after, in our theology class, the profe- the teacher played the Fishers of Men vocations video, which I had seen before, and it's intended to slightly over-dramatize <laughs> kind of some of the more rewarding aspects of the priesthood. But it, it is something that does kind of get you excited right. about it. And it was something about watching it that time that... I finally just said, like, all right, I'm going to stop straddling the fence and just, like, all right, when I look at colleges, I'm going to look at ones that have a seminary program. Yeah. Like a friend of mine went to the program up at Franciscan that prepares guys for the Seminary or wherever they go. And when I went and visited at Notre Dame, I said, oh, yeah, we got old college right. kind of over here. It was just one of the student tour guides.
0: And old college is like
1: a minor seminary? Essentially, it's uh, it's for students in their roughly freshman to junior years of college. Um, so I spent three years there, and then my senior year moved over to what's called the postulant year, um, and then the following year is the novitiate year, um, and so the uh, and so that's the novitiate year is basically a year of intense kind of prayer and discernment, focused on with the space to just kind of be settled this is me and this is like holy cross and are these two kind of coming together so it's meant to be a time to kind of focus and discern uh, that um and so yeah so that that, that's basically how i got how i got started yeah um so pretty pretty early on it was it was pretty early on especially relatively speaking Cause I got a classmate who's 30, I think, 32. So he graduated college, did ACE, Alliance for Catholic Education, uh-huh. and taught in a Catholic school for two years. Worked as a accountant, CPA, right, for a little while, and then decided to enter. Yeah, um, I, was, I was just a fresh little baby out of high school. But you,
0: and you're about to, you're 29 later this year, so 29 in young, September, yeah. big wow. 2 nine. Yeah. And so well so so pretty early on, but did you have any any relationships in middle school, high school? College. This is a relationship podcast, I don't know if you knew. So you
1: want the juicy love stories of the priest. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. That's why
0: everyone's tuning in.
1: I didn't really no. I didn't really date a whole lot going into beforehand. I mean I went to dances junior, senior year of high school and that was that was fun. Yeah. Um or any any uh
0: Long time crushes, attractions,
1: not early, not early on. I mean, you notice people when you when they walk by, right? But well, the, you also
0: went to to Saint Strake, so all boys' school, all boys' school, yeah.
1: And then, but all across the parking lot from the all girls' school, there was. I will, I will admit, going to college, you see life in a whole new way. Yeah, and I w- it was in seminary. And it was one point where it got to a moment like, oh, this is interesting. And so essentially, like there was this girl, I was like, oh, like, this is like this could be an option. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, oh, okay. And so essentially, it brought me to a moment of like discernment in the seminary. Is like, do I continue on? Right. Um, or do I say like, no, I'm gonna stop and like see what's down this road. Um, as you kind of come up to it on the trail, it's like, oh, what's down this path? And it was less a. I think mean, part of the challenge was, I figured it was like, oh, like which is the wrong option, right? And versus in trying to figure out the wrong option, like then I'd figure out the right option. Whereas it was just trying to decide and choose between two good options,
0: right? Because so many people think, and I I fell into this trap of yeah. like, there's one right option. I right. read a book one time which like basically said like, Yeah, God has one path for you. You can choose whatever you want. God won't <laughs> God won't stop you. But you'll and then never the fire will crash and burn. <laughs> basically it was like you'll never ever 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 be happy as you or as happy as you could have been. Oh yeah. And so it's just like, well, thanks.
1: Right? But No, and then that's the thing, is and the and the challenge is like, well, what if the woman that God has set up for me is like halfway around the world <laughs> <laughs> I'm just and then I'm just screwed <laughs> right yeah
0: no that's true that is kind of an issue with like and again the idea of like soulmates maybe right
1: yeah it's, one I mean,
0: person I mean, screws it up though can throw off the whole equation and the, and
1: I think there's a lot of this I think people getting married like they find someone like wow this is really good and it's I think there's probably a number of people that you could marry but ultimately the person that you do like fall in love with and stay in love with it's the person that you like put the work into as well right and i think when i was kind of discerning this there was like wow this could be an option and she's a wonderful amazing lady and i think i think she might be engaged but there was there was a point and moment in which i was like this like is an attractive option. Yeah. Like, th- I mean, this is attract. Like, this is a good path um, that I could follow. But there was something. There was still almost from like the gut, just something that I was like, "This is like, w- like, but old college, the seminary, like, is where I need to be." Right. There, there was just something, There. There was just a gut feeling there's some sort of gut feeling that other people just basically to put it into words without actually saying a whole lot (laughs) is like you just know when you know yeah exactly yeah and I think too because I want to think it's interesting because I think
0: sometimes especially growing up like thinking oh well those who are priests in some sense may be asexual in the sense that they're just not attracted to anyone and that's why they've they've they're like a bunch of
1: priests (laughs) 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 right yeah (laughs)
0: It's just all very scientific and very sterile, right? Yeah. Or or um or one time actually I was talking to a priest about it and he said um I think he got the sense that I that I felt this way from talking to him. He said, He's like, you know, I didn't become a priest because I couldn't get a date. <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was like bald and kind of like overweight, and I was like, kind of, and kind of slow and awkward. And I was kind of thinking, oh, well, that's kind of what I was thinking. He was like, but no, I didn't become because I couldn't get a date. Like that, that wasn't the issue, right? Like it wasn't like, well, no one's going out with me. I guess I'll just become a priest, right? Like you, there, there has to be.
1: And you, and you meet. That's not an unlive thought every now and then. That you meet in people. But it's it's there's something you're pursuing, though. Right.
0: Well, because I was going to say, too, for you, you're someone who is, I think, one, well-socialized, but also well-socialized with the opposite sex in the sense that you meet some guys in seminary mm-hmm. and some priests who are just awkward around women. And it does feel like it was the easier, safest option. Like, yeah, I could talk to a girl or I could just become a priest and never really have to. And just read a book. And just read a book, right? Like it's just easier than putting myself up. It, it comes across that way. You know what I mean, right? Yeah. Like... No, it's
1: it's yeah. You can use it, yeah. Seminary. I mean, just just like any. I mean, you name a whole host of things that can be a, a way of hiding from engaging in the world and yeah, in, in life itself. And to be yeah, and if you're going to be a priest, you're going to meet all kinds of. Moments where life crashes in on your doorstep. Yeah, whether it's you got a hazy day and you wind up talking with a student for like an hour about some big dramatic situation that all of a sudden she's found herself in, and yeah, like hey, Father, like I I just need to talk to a priest. (laughs) And it's to be honest, like they could talk to probably anyone in campus ministry who would do something would do a fine job but there's something like symbolic about the priesthood um that they're that they're seeking out um but it's yeah it's you want something who can, someone who can engage with like bring god to where life is actually lived yeah um, and whether it's the confessional or the like the married the couple that's preparing to get married or renew their vows and celebrate an anniversary um, someone who can move without awkwardness at a funeral where a family's yeah. torn apart cuz someone a loved one's passed away you can be like that's you know
0: it's it's sad. I've been talking to I was talking to a co-worker cuz I am a theology teacher and other theology teachers about like the uh, I think there's going to be ordinations this weekend it, in Houston it's tomorrow
1: tomorrow sometime yeah downtown Houston yeah
0: and so this will air weeks after, but uh, yeah, but um, that'll much. give you a hint of when when this was uh, recorded. But <laughs> but one of the things that I always go back to is just like God goes priest, but like no more weird priests. <laughs> And so, I mean, I I consider you an answer to that prayer. I don't think you're weird at all. I think you're one of the normal, and I'm like we need more normal.
1: I'm the answer to Austin's prayer. Exactly.
0: Right? <laughs> in more than one way. In more than one way. But uh, but yeah, that's kind of my thing. Hashtag no more weird priests.
1: There's <laughs> there's still priests, and they still do very no. You know, you're right. You're right. Things. And they can they can still bring. Comfort and direction to people who are seeking that in the midst of whatever chaos they find themselves. Yes,
0: good. Thank you, Father. <laughs> um, you you served in Stonehill, right? Doing marriage prep a bit, right?
1: Oh, I've done it all. Yeah. I've done, we do confirmation prep, marriage prep. How many couples have you worked with for marriage prep? Oh, gosh. There's probably been at least... There's been at least ten... That have come across the doorstep and I think there's six or seven that are active and live I mean it's you get some that are getting married out of state right. by by a priest or somewhere that they just live locally and yeah are looking for someone to do their marriage prep with could, could you briefly describe what marriage prep is so one of the stages is just kind of the kind of like saying that yes I'm freely entering into this yeah um, and so it's kind of talking with the couples and kind of asking like okay like what like why are you like you you want to get married and what's the significance of getting married in the a Catholic Church in a church right yeah because there's a lot of people get married in all sorts of places and ways today and like it's but this is something significant that you've actually come to a church to the to Stonehill and you're seeking this out, and so what's the kind of what's what's there? And often there's often something, something there that you that you can pull out. Um, the biggest chunk of it is what's called the focus, it, and that is fostering open couples communication. There's two C's: <laughs> understanding and study. I've said that so many times now. I actually know that. I think it's facis, <laughs> isn't it? So double C? Well, if you're Italian. <laughs> but it's it's basically... It brings out... Saying, it's basically having conversations about things that couples have conversations about. So it's like, we've talked about having kids. Yeah. We've talked about raising kids. We've talked about um, understandings of sexuality. We've talked about the family life that kind of we grew up in we've talked about finances we've talked about um, conflict that right. we've had whether or not like I think one of the questions is like we've talked about like I do not disagree on like my future spouse's like view of having a pet or something like that oh, wow. okay <laughs> so, I don't know if you're adamant against pets that's a big yeah that's where the rub hits definitely that's that's the conflict spot and it's helping the couples to kind of talk about and get a start on some of those potential conflict areas right um so that when they do happen in a relationship you're not learning you're not trying to figure out how to have the conversation before as oh, sorry. after <laughs> right after you're, you're, fact. You've, okay like we've talked a little bit about this this is bothering me and you're able to bring it up
0: well yeah and so how would you how would you answer this is one of the the um the questions submitted by the audience um but i think it's kind of kind of double because i i remember talking to my students about marriage prep and some of them are like why is that a priest's business why should they why should like they know these things it's none of their business it's just like the couple so kind of paired with that and then also the the question from the audience was or like how do you explain like when someone would say well what why should a priest have any say about about marriage, right? Or kind of be the one to give advice about relationships and marriage when they're not married themselves? So first off, maybe kind of to kind of restate: why is it important that this is done with a priest? Mm-hmm. And then, what can still a priest offer even as
1: someone who's not in a romantic relationship or in a marriage? And to be honest, one of the things. It helps me practically it helps me to get to know the couple a little bit before I'm up there and just preaching at their wedding mass. <laughs> um, it's, but at the same time you also have there are some couples who actually do the focus or like a, like a lay person could do the focus or there's places I think where a sister or a religious sister can run a focus and so it's not it doesn't have to be a priest. Um, but if the priest is going to be the one who's the official officiant, it's they have to work with a couple at some point um, in some of the paperwork. Um, in that regards, the so anyone could theoretically do yeah. the focus, but then like it's like, well, why why do we want the priest in my business? Right? Yeah. It's I mean, and some of it is, I guess what I mentioned earlier about that couple that came up and never knew me, never met me, probably never going to see me again. Right. But like there's a generic, you're just the quote unquote priest air quotes. <laughs> um, and so it's, and some of it is like, there's a priest grow up in families. They grow, they interact and talk with people. Um, and it's and one of the things that I've been doing since starting marriage prep. I'm, If I have married friends or married couples that I know, I'll ask them. So, like, hey, I'm doing marriage prep. This is my first time. Yeah. What would you tell couples who are going through their marriage preparations? Like, any advice that you would have or, like, things that have been helpful from your marriage prep? And every now and then I'll get a – nothing that was helpful from marriage prep, but here's what you should say. Yeah. And so I actually – I keep a running Word document just, like, these random little – Either anecdotes or advice mm. that I get, um, and so I I recognize that I don't know everything <laughs> there is to know about relationships and married relationships, but there is a degree to which a good marriage relationship, married good marriage, is like it starts with just good relationship, yeah, human relationship, and that as long as you are a human, you are not immune to and you can't get away from per se when we were at the novitiate because we're a religious community and seeking to live in community together random little conflicts and human questions come up and so we actually took a week where we sat down for an hour at a time with each one of our 11 classmates And basically had a conversation about, this is something that irritates me about you. Yeah. Like, this is how you are a blessing. This (laughs) is how you could be more of a blessing. And just, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) No, you
0: know, I think there's something, especially being in a religious order, that maybe is not there for a diocesan. Mm -hmm. I once talked to a, a priest who was... A diocesan priest from Venezuela. Mm-hmm. I'd love to have him on sometime. Diocesan <laughs> priest from, from Venezuela, but he's actually in the United States because of threats on his life. Oh, wow. And so he, yeah, and so it's, his, it's his a bishop's in New York, there. but he's here in Houston now. Uh, but, anyways, we, we've talked about this. And so he talked about how he's like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not married <laughs> because he's like, <laughs> I could never do it. He's like, if I want, to, I can go eat whatever I want. If I want to watch a movie on Netflix. I don't have to ask someone, what do you want to watch? I can just do what I want. If I want to read, whenever I want to go to bed, it's great. He's like, I love it. It's for me. And then he said, and then I said, well, what about religious order? Why didn't you want to be in a religious order? He's like, oh, are you kidding me? He said, that's worse. He's like, (laughs) if it was between being married and being in a religious order, I'd rather be married. Because at least in marriage, you can choose who you spend the rest of your life with. Yeah, you go true. in the religious order and you can't choose was a part of that religious order. He said, could you imagine spending every single day across from the same guy who slurps his soup <laughs> and having to hear it? <laughs> he says, no, 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 absolutely
1: not. Absolutely not. It's always, it's, to be honest, I think it is, it's true. It's the little things that, that aggravate people a lot. It's people, yeah, I think. Sometimes every now and then people can get over some of the bigger abstracts, like oh, like we don't see eye to eye on this like voting issue. Right. What's gonna bring up the real argument is like, you never empty the dryer lint. <laughs> right. There's always dryer lint, and you always throw your wet towel on the bed. <laughs> like that's that's where the rub's gonna come. Yeah. It's, it's what even it's it's not necessarily the abstract questions of like. Oh, like I think it'd be great to like raise them in the faith. Like, okay, like we can, we'll get to that. Like, our love will hold us together, and we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Right. It's going to be the concrete question of where are we sending the kid to school, where that issue will actually come out as a fight. Because it's if one person's like, well, they need to go to Catholic school. Like, well, no, they need to go to whatever school, or I don't want them going to Catholic school. Right it's like that's where that's where the questions are going to come out
0: yeah definitely yeah so and I, I think about that all the that all time like I think that's the little things you, you either decide to overcome mm-hmm. them too right like yeah. that's kind of the dying to self but in a religious area you can't in
1: priests you just you see a lot of human life yeah it's whether it's the confessional, or just interacting in various pastoral situations, or just talking to people—right? It's you, you, you see a lot. It's
0: yeah. Well, I, to 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 kind of back up in that same story, that same priest, and I—he's one of the best priests I know, present company excluded. But I've only oh, I've I only seen see. one of your masses, so I don't know. I need a,
1: a wider <laughs> sample. um the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> the Proof is in the pudding, but um, yeah, tasty, no, he he's a pudding. a
0: great priest. So I don't want us to get the the wrong idea because he's so beloved. Um, and those listening, I think know who who it is. But uh, actually, it came up because we were we ran into um, some some uh, some friends that like he knew as well, and this person. That we ran into was younger than me, but was already married and had had a kid. And he said, "Wow, I can't believe people that I've known they're, they're, that since they were young, like they're already married and having children." And I said, oh, "I know, Father. Everyone but me." And he kind of double took and, and looked at me, and we and we kept walking away. And then he said, "Austin, I'd I'd like to talk to you about what you said a moment ago." I was like, "What is that about how how you're not married yet?" This was two years ago too. <laughs> How you're not married yet, and I just want you to know, like, don't feel bad. Like, I know it really upsets you, but don't. And then he said, I hear so much in the confessional (laughs) about, like, marriage. I think he was trying to comfort me, but he was like, about marriage and about, like, how hard it is. Mm -hmm. And he said, like, about, I hear so many times from from women who've been married 15, 20 years. Father, I no longer love my husband. I'm attracted to, to someone else. Or, like... Yada yada yada. He does this, or I dream daydream of that, and so he's like, "Oh, it's so hard." He's like, and this kind of prompted his like, "Why he would never want to be married?" Just kind of realizing it, uh, and then he, <laughs> then he went on to like kind of say all of these negative things, and then, uh, and he's like, it's just, it's just so hard, and I think that's reality too.
1: People don't realize, right? Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, we had, uh, at the every year. They have a, there's a psychologist that works particularly with people going into religious life and priesthood. Yeah. And he gives us a little workshop once a year geared towards um, the kind of experience of living a celibate chaste life and helping to work through some of that and one of the things one of the just kind of side comments he mentioned was like oh yeah like I think people get like fall in love probably every 10 or 20 years or so yeah like it if you're married it happens if you're single it happens if you're in any kind of other committed relationship like the religious life or priesthood like it happens and it becomes less like oh like I'm just so infatuated and more like the love somehow the love for that person has to grow deeper and the commitment kind of has to pervade. Right. And there was a a couple that I was talking to and they help out with some of the young couples getting married. And she says, like, the advice I always give people is, you know, sometimes you will, like love the person that you're married to and other times the only thing you feel like you can commit to is the commitment that you made yeah it's like well I don't love him like I'm can't commit myself today to him but I can commit to the commitment mm. and that's I mean it's yeah it's challenging yeah but where does yeah where does the hope come from it's there's something that you latched on to um, at that moment that sounds like there's something I love and admire about this person and whether it's like they helped me to become a better person, like, wow, like they named something that I didn't even know I was like wrestling with or struggling with, and yeah. they like, Oh yeah, like you're whatever, whatever and then you're like, Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's for whatever reason but it's it's the everyday learning to fall in love. Right. people will say like every day learn something new about your spouse or like never stop dating your spouse. Right. Um, never stop drinking is one of them ones that they say. <laughs> but it's it's one of those is like it's less like the infatuation and more like learning to continue to perpetuate right. that. It's it's unconditional love it's-
0: well that that it is still like requires work right like it's not just gonna be that honeymoon it's just not gonna be that emotion right. that high that helps for a while and cyclical can come back mm-hmm. but and maybe that's what you meant by like falling in love right but like um, yeah that you still kind of choose I always talk to my students about it in the sense of like yeah because they're teenagers right like I guarantee you, your parents don't love you every day or like you every day mm-hmm. but they still ch- choose to like make you dinner And to drive you to school and to do your laundry, right? Like, that's that choice that they continue to make, right? Like, love has to be something more than just
1: emotion. Or the George Strait song was a wonderful, (laughs) wonderful, wise, wise man. People always joke because I'm up in Boston like, oh, that's funny. You like country music. Are you the cowboy priest? Because I know you wear your cowboy boots. Do so you wear your I cowboy hat? My cowboy boots actually got a hole in them. Oh, you need a so pair. And so I just said, well, I have a brown pair, but that doesn't exactly go with black pants or right. a black shirt. <laughs>
0: Listeners out there, new pair of boots for, <laughs> for Father Brian Williams, five years
1: off purgatory. It's the new indulgence. Go fund me, <laughs> the, um. What was the thing? But one of the things, one of the jokes is like, oh, yeah, you always say like, oh, that's funny. Like, there's a country song about that. Right, yeah. There's a country song about anything that's actual life. But one of the songs is like, I don't think she likes me. Or like, I know she still loves me, but I don't think she likes me anymore. Right, yeah. It's a good old George Street song.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so um, uh, a couple of things. One, I want to go back to, to his father, uh, the other father's um, kind of story real quick, because at the very end, he, after he told me all of these negative things he's heard in confessions and why, don't, he's like, his whole point was like, don't rush to be in marriage. It's not all it cracks up to be. And then he looked at me and said, but you'll find someone and it'll be awesome.
1: <laughs> it'll be amazing. <laughs> uh,
0: so that, I just wanted to kind of bring close to, to that father. And again, he's, he's a great priest. Um, it is It is a good and
1: joyous thing. It's, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and like in, and it's but anything's going to be
0: hard. Like, We can't it, imagine.
1: Exactly. And it's graduation season. <laughs> and believe it or not, the people that are more excited than the people graduating are the parents of the people graduating. Yeah, that's true. So It's, it's a giant joy. Yeah. I'm going to coin that. The uh, <laughs> giant joys. The uh it's a giant joy Hashtag for their giant life. joys. And not the porter potties. But the <laughs> um it's a giant joy for their lives to be able to see that child whom they've invested so much in for so long walk across a stage, yeah, receive their diploma, and like jump off the stage like in excitement.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. I'm good. You, you brought up um, country music. I know that's that's your favorite. <laughs> so, especially though, like I'm, I'm just kind of curious about this. Um, I'm someone who's a romantic. I love uh, like Austin, songs. Austin, you're running those. a
1: relationships podcast. Definitely, right? right. <laughs> you're right. That goes without saying.
0: It definitely goes without saying. But, uh, so as someone who, who has chosen the path of celibacy, celibacy and we'll talk about... Mm-hmm. able to see it in the second um, but can you still listen to to love songs in the same way or like do they have the same kind of pull for you or um, is there kind of this adaptation of it to like maybe about God or is it just kind of like a song's a song if it's good it's good I'm kind of curious I've always been curious about that
1: I think a good country song like any piece of good, or whether it's a book, a movie, a song, a painting says something or is able to depict something in a particular way about human life and the human condition. Yeah. And so it's, and I think some of it is like, they're able to articulate something so well that you're like, Oh yes. And whether it's in, it's and people do this, like when they pull out quotes of stuff. Um, and so it's, So whether it's like, oh, like body like a back road, right? Yeah, especially the bro, the new bro country. That's all about like, if you say something that people understand, like yeah, can you get to it? I mean, like one of the priests when he was teaching us about homilies, he was saying, you know, the most universal is the most personal. Is like when I mean, which is what you do with your podcast here. It's like right. This personal thing that I went through, people are like, "Oh, that's my story." Right? I'm like, yes, I get that. Right. And when you can do that in a song,
0: yeah, and the particular is universal,
1: exactly, and the universal
0: is so kind of particular, yeah, in some way. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I've always wondered that because as as a romantic, like, I love like romance movies or, or music, and but it's because of that identification. So I've always wondered if I were to ever. That was my calling to be a priest, like how I would. But then sometimes I think like of a song "Wonderwall" by Oasis. You know that one? I know Today the song. It's gonna haven't. be the day that they're gonna throw it back to you. Oh, I know the song. I, okay, I, yeah. I haven't sat down. I used and to, actually listened to. the I used lyrics, to just though. think like, oh, I guess if I would be like a priest, or maybe if a priest, I used to imagine Father Drew listening to that and just singing about it about, <laughs> but about God, right? Um, but no, I think I think you're right though. There, if if it's good art, if it's still true, there's still something there that you can appreciate and take there's something to dig into
1: and it's yeah yeah and i mean i think everybody has these moments where like you see something like wow that's really attractive like in the new spoiler alert for the new avengers movie um but like there's a you see like captain america right fall in love with his old, like, wow. And it, and it puts it in a beautiful, attractive scene where it's actually like a scene of love and not some sort of like over-sexualized or right. power Just whatever. Just dance. Exactly. It's you're dance. like, wow, that's amazing. But there's, it's it's that same thing that I think came back to me when I was kind of in seminary. Is like, there's something here Hmm. Uh, and I was sitting. I'm like, there's some. There's still like that's a beautiful, good thing, but there's still something here, right? So, not to say that like every day of a priest's life is like, oh, you should love my life. It's like a party every day. Right. Like, there's days where you come back from. It's been a long day. You went to the nine o'clock mass in one of the, residence halls on campus. It's 10 or 10.30, and by the time I finally get back to my room, and I'm like, oh, I just need to go to bed. Maybe I try to read for a little bit to wind down, have like one of those little seltzer water things, and then whatever was on sale, I'm like, all right, I, I can't I keep my eyes open. I'll go to bed. <laughs> and you just you pick yourself back up the next day, and you go to prayer. Yeah. And it's you. that's part of the life. Right. So you need to keep on you keep on doing it, but it doesn't mean there aren't beautiful moments and right. You foster a presence of gratitude for what you have and where you are
0: kind of forming out of that other question. I wanted to kind of ask, um, I think one of the big hardest parts for people to, to understand about, um, the priesthood today, especially if you're not Catholic, but even those who are, is the issue of celibacy kind of seeing it as something as unnatural, um, Because sexuality is a part of human nature. And so denying it as something that's repressive and unnatural. Um, How... Was that one of the more difficult aspects of discerning the priesthood? That kind of decision to, to forgo?
1: I don't know if I ever had a moment where... I was trying to discern the priesthood... As something that wasn't... Didn't include celibacy. Okay. It's... In my mind... And part of it is, as a religious, I take a vow of celibacy. Mm-hmm. It's not just a promise to the bishop, um, but if tomorrow Pope Francis decided, "Hey, you can all go and get married," or like if you get married, you can become a priest, that wouldn't apply to me, right? So my so I was discerning religious life with the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, um, and those vows made forever would still stay regardless so for me it was it wasn't a discerning that um, but I mean part of it is people think like oh how could you ever possibly do that And on one side someone who gets married does it similarly and the fact is like you say no to every single like if I were a guy looking to get married um, to a lady, I would be saying no to every single woman out there except one. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, on that side, and this is getting back to your question on the challenge. It's marriage is a beautiful, fruitful, amazing thing that's still fraught with challenges, and like people get into people individually get into habits, and I think people in gr- whether it's groups or couples. Um, also get into habits as well, right? And those can be good, bad, what have you. And it's learning to have, um, learning to kind of work through those and work with those. But yeah, it wasn't a a thing in mm. which I discern. And it's yeah. In that Fishers and Men video, there's another guy who's like, he's ancient. He looks like he's ninety. <laughs> he's like, yeah. From the day I was young, I always like wanted to be a priest, <laughs> and, it's, and that was just his thing. Every now and then I have moments. I'm like, yeah. From when I was like, from when I was young, I've had moments. Like since seventh grade, had moments of like, this is what I want to do. Okay. With my life. Yeah.
0: This is how you're directing it, right? Like how you're choosing to.
1: Right, and it doesn't mean that it's you just walk out the door and everything's a sunny day (laughs) in Mister Rogers' neighborhood. Um, But it's yeah, you make the it's always the, the next best step. I mean it's it's like the yeah, like the AA models. You take the <laughs> ne- you, you take the next best step. There's a lot of wisdom in AA. Yeah, even for cuz I worked when I was between sophomore and junior years at college at the Siena Francis House, okay, in Omaha, it's right downtown, like a couple blocks from the baseball stadium. And it's basically a wet homeless shelter run by an AA program. So it's guys going through Alcoholics Anonymous, running or whatever addiction they have. Um, and then they kind of work their way into, kind of work their way up a program that cares for people who are homeless. And you show up at the door and you say, hey, I need a bed for tonight. And they say, okay, we have one for you. And they do in whatever space they have, whatever mattresses they have, they put one out, and some of the guys will see people who are like them yeah. beforehand, um, and it's so long as you're not. If you're like violent and like active, or you, yeah, if you're being like violent, throwing a chair across the, the counter, they're gonna they're gonna kick you out and kind of detain you. If you're drunk or high or whatever it is, as long as you're not like disruptive and violent, they're not gonna kick you out. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was in that like, you kind of pick up on a number of good. It, it's. I was talking with a guy. I'm like, yeah, that's like that's great advice for me. Right. And and I remember he was in the program. He's like, yeah, it's it's advice on how to live a sober life. Like it's, it's advice on how to live life. Right. So.
0: Because we all have something, some sin, some vice that chains us, right?
1: Exactly. It's all
0: about being free. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? um, Yeah. Yeah. Free to choose
1: what's good in life.
0: Yeah. What's um, something interesting, one time I went, I did go on a couple of vocation retreats. All of the religious orders I've encountered, I've always tried to get me, and I'm, I'm the white whale. I'm the, <laughs> <laughs> the one that can You're the there. young Catholic male. <laughs> and, of course uh, they want Holy you. Holy Cross tried to get me a couple of times. The Basilians at the University of Thomas tried to get me. Milas Christi and... Well, I'm Argosas glad they're diocese. active and searching. That's true. That's true. But uh, I did go on one one time, and um, with, the, with the Basilians in particular, and... Uh, one of the the question of celibacy came up and um, during the Q&A it was, it was a nice weekend it was a realization that like no this isn't for me mm-hmm. or um, actually I really like the Basilians I'll give them a plug too I love Holy Cross as well but oh, um, yeah. the Basilians for me are like the ragtag team of misfits they're the little giants <laughs> or the sandlot of That's like awesome. religious orders <laughs> they're just kind of the weirdos that don't really fit anywhere else and so I naturally root for them. <laughs> Holy Cross, I feel like is like the Golden State Warriors, <laughs> just kind of thriving and <laughs> doing everywhere. But um, if
1: anyone out there wants to join Holy Cross, yeah, no, they're a great. We're always order. looking for people.
0: They're a great order. Um, yeah i've I've loved all all of the people I've met from Holy Cross, all the priests and seminarians um thank you yeah no and, and that, that's <laughs> if if they couldn't convince me to join then it must not be there, there's there's yeah but uh anyways no but so on, on this uh vocation retreat I remember um we were asking the the priests you know about the issue of celibacy and how hard it is and um whether or not it becomes easy and he said. Actually, he was very candid and said um, that it was only by the grace of God mm-hmm. that, like, he lives it out. And so he gave an, an example of, like, that one time um, when he was a, a, uh, a teacher at one of the schools run by the—that um, he was doing tutoring for—he was doing tutoring for um, for a particular student that was struggling, and so uh, this required him to, like, come down—come over to the student's house, Right? and that the mom was there was like inviting it was like oh father thank you so much, so much. and it was a single mom and basically she like when the boy like when went away to go get something from his room kind of basically suggested you know like that she'd sleep with him if, if she did if he'd ever want right and he was like oh okay and he was like got out of there mm-hmm. right and it was like nope but he did say like there was one day like one Saturday that it was particularly slow and it was a hard day and it just kind of crossed his mind, and he had the the number, and he said, out of a moment of weakness, I picked it up and I called, and she never picked up. Kind of that moment, that realization of what am I doing, mm-hmm. right? And he says, luckily by the grace of God, like she wasn't, she wasn't home, didn't pick up. Yeah, he's like at that moment I was in a moment of weakness, fully willing, mm-hmm. you know. But he's so that was his kind of point. He's like it's only by the grace of God that like. As well, right? It's not on our, it's not on own strength. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was, was at least nice to be, be that candid, right? That like, right. again, and Christ himself says like, it's for those who can, can accept it, right? Like, that's why it's a sacrament, mm-hmm. right? The grace
1: of God <clears throat> provides. The yeah. grace of the sacrament provides. And I've heard priests say that, and I've heard married couples say that. Yeah. It's like the grace of the sacrament, there's something in that like sealing your relationship before God and, and like asking God's blessing on that and entering into that life right they like there's there's something and I've heard married couples just as much as priests when they're getting ordained and right talk about that but yeah but,
0: and that's why I, I yeah. and I tell my students too like yeah that's why you get married in the church that's why you want a sacramental marriage yeah 'Cause but it gives it, you that
1: strength, right? But it's ultimately the human question of like craving for intimacy and love. And it's and there's an interesting story that someone had quoted, um, I forget the guy's Edwin O'Connor. That's the guy's name. I was trying oh, to Oh, I think thought of it was it. gonna be that monk from this morning. No, no, that's another <laughs> one. Um, but Edwin O'Connor has a book called Edge of Sadness, which, full confession I've never read. It's a thick book. <laughs> But you've read the back. Cover. Well, I've I've read this one like paragraph. Okay. So it it was a fun afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to cut my laugh out. But the um, but this, this guy quotes the this this passage from this novel, and I had, I have no understanding of any part of the novel except this one paragraph. But he basically says he's it's a elderly priest riding in the back of a car with an elderly couple and they've been friends he's been friends with this guy for forever known the couple for forever and he says there was some moment at which my long time deep friendship with this guy like basically like it met the precipice of the relationship and the relationship between the the couple kept going Yeah. So like their relationship had something significant to it. And in that moment he met the like almost like like handout stretch like I want like it's clamoring for something. And then he recalled like there's a certain way in through whether it's the religious life or priesthood, because I do think brothers and Like religious brothers, monks, religious sisters experienced some of this in which like there was a certain glimpse in which he shared like God's perspective. He shared almost like what God saw, whether it was a confessional, whether it was someone just showing up on his doorstep and saying like, Father, please help me. I'm in this situation. Like he saw people clamoring for God in a particular way that that married couple never quite could get to. Um, and I think that's that's true. When I was had an opportunity one summer to spend at St. Joseph's Oratory up in Montreal, it's right on it's Mount Royal, Mount Royal, Mount Montreal, on the island, it's the, I think it's legally the highest point in the, in the actual city of Montreal it's this church dedicated to Saint Joseph, founded by Brother Andre Bisset, yeah. who's mm-hmm. a Saint a Holy Cross brother, and million like a million or two people flow through there every year. The and you get someone's like, yeah, I just lost my job and I'm coming here, um, as you would, whatever the situation was, a couple whose kid was suffering from Down syndrome or some other mental illness, and like trying to figure out like what this said about them like whatever the desperate kind of situation was like you saw their almost like their flame of devotion and like please God help me like in this situation um, and that I mean that's a beautiful moment like a beautiful moment to be able to share like with a married couple right in the midst of their right. wedding um, or the couple in which you're able to just move in and offer an ounce of Consolation to whatever um, loss they've experienced recently for someone who's passed away, like those are those are privileged moments and they're beautiful moments. Um, but it's it's there's a certain intimacy about that in which this is great and this is beautiful. But it's also something I share in and it's not mine right. possessively speaking. So
0: yeah, thanks for that. Absolutely. Okay, uh, we have a couple of questions for from the audience, and then. Um, oh boy! Uh, yeah. Let's see. So, how, how have you ever been told that you can't help with relationships because you're a priest?
1: I know we kind of kind of talked about it a little bit. I don't think explicitly to my face yet. Okay. I'm, I'm sure that's coming. It's, it's coming from behind. But it's, like but it's roll. one of those moments like. You're ne- like, you don't understand. How could you know my life? I mean, it's regardless of the situation, and I'm sure there are some moments where I can't speak to that. And it's there's a certain like confessional knowledge that's pre- like when it's like my personal experience is like, yeah, the ultimate say. Um, nowadays that 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 reigns, and it's like, yeah, I can't say every aspect of sure. married life. But it's you have a human understanding of love of people interacting with each other. You see a lot. Yeah. You hear about a lot. A You're
0: raised by parents, right? Like like Exactly. In some it's, way.
1: You listen to people's qualms and joys yeah. and like wow like this was really exciting and amazing yeah. and this is really what this is what I latched on to. Right, and then others like I can't stand blank.
0: <laughs> right. So,
1: okay. Um. So,
0: uh, I have someone who asks, "What if you didn't become a priest? Do you ever, one? Do you ever think about that too? What do you think you would be doing?
1: I have no idea. Every now and then, mm-hmm. I'm like, "Well, what in the world would I do with a philosophy degree? <laughs> <laughs> you think you'd be doing something more practical, or I could run a podcast. Yeah, you, you could. You've done a great job. <laughs> um, well, if I want a priest, I could potentially get married. Right. Okay. I mean, that, that's an option, and throw yourself into work. I don't know. There's something. No, no particular jobs or, or
0: interests that like. Yeah, that's what I would have. Should have been a cowboy.
1: Should have been a cowboy. <laughs> that's a fun song. Yeah, it is. I don't know. Every now and then I'm like, I have an unhealthy love for like like, 18-wheeler trucks. I'd oh, like, I can see that. But I'm like, that's also a job that would be probably fun for a week. Right. And then you would be like, oh, this is work. <laughs> or construction. I don't know. There's something about like. Something very blue collar. Oh, yeah. Something about doing something. You see the immediate result. Yeah. That's exciting. Okay. So, I don't know. Yeah. I, I do like driving. I do enjoy driving. Somebody's like, oh, yeah. Like, like if that, I mean, that's one of the things about working in New England. People, there was a student who I asked her, like, oh, are you from around here? Because everybody I was asking, most students at Stonehill are from Massachusetts. And if they're not from Massachusetts, they're from New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Connecticut, or New York new england area right and so i asked the students like oh so are you from around here and she said no i'm not from around here i'm like oh wow you're gonna be the one student from colorado (laughs) or chicago or texas or california this is gonna be amazing she's like no i'm not from around here i'm from connecticut (laughs) (laughs) which is a very new england thing to say it's what an hour away Hour and a half.
0: Hour and a half, right? Where it's like that's not even the same. an hour from Stonehill. That's you not could even be from San Antonio. Exactly. <laughs> from exactly. Houston,
1: right. Like you could be halfway through Connecticut on your way to New York by the time you get to San Antonio. Right. Driving from Houston to Dallas is roughly. Maybe add like another half hour. is right. Roughly going to New York City.
0: And Houston to El Paso is the same diff- distance of El Paso to Los Angeles.
1: It's the same difference from El Paso to the rest of the world. It's true. That's 100% true. Okay, good.
0: All right, so the, a little so, bit more serious question. Yes. Um, what's it like being a, a new priest in a post-sex abuse crisis church? How does that kind of maybe affect your, your view of, of your vocation or of the ministry? It's something that,
1: to be honest, is always... In the back of my mind, like when I interact with and meet people, and so like if you come up and there's like oh, like there's a couple with a kid after mass and they run yeah up, it's you 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 stop them for the high five, right? Yeah, it's it's little things like that. Um, I think a lot of what the church has done since 2002 and cracking down on kind of dis- how to discipline. Um, is significant the psycho like psychology psychotherapy in general since the seventies eighties nineties I think has greatly improved um, and it's it's gone from something as like as like oh like this is something treatable and we can put it back like we can stick someone back out right. there to no this is really like today. That's something really serious and you need to catch that. And so entering a seminary, at least for Holy Cross, I imagine across the board, we take a psychology test. Like We take a, mm-hmm. like the generic, um, I forget what it is, psychology test, and it's like 500 questions long, 600 questions long. And there's, we're interviewed by five people as part of the application. One of whom is a psychologist who writes a full report and basically says, and if any of that were to come out, that would be a huge red flag. Um, and it's in at least you know, where we are, that's taken very seriously. Um, one, I think some of that gets brought out in terms of community life and Holy Cross. Yeah, I, you can't just not be around and have people not say something it's we live a very we live a common life that's very around each other Um, but it's always something that's in the back of your mind both in terms of how to interact and like in terms of just trying to help someone work through like whatever trust there is um yeah and especially working in somewhere like Boston where that like that's basically like ground zero where it broke you see that all the time in addition to just general mass attendance drop off I think that like like intensifies the situation as well yeah definitely but it's yeah it's it's challenging I mean it's something that should never ever happen um but it's, yeah. I mean, hopefully, I've I've never personally had a situation in which it's been an immediate factor, like whether it's someone like actively accusing, pointing a finger um, in my face, um, or what have you. But it's always something that you kind of think in the back of your mind, like, like okay, I have to. I have to act in a way that, like, could never possibly ever be interpreted in any way, shape, or form as that.
0: Okay, and la- uh, one more audience question. Um, this comes Shoot. from. I hope she doesn't mind me <laughs> using your name, <laughs> Ana Hernandez. I don't, you don't, you don't know her, but uh, she says, "Where's the strong, holy, Catholic men at?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: What's your kind of uh,
0: kind view on that? Where's
1: the hot Catholic dudes? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, which maybe you kind of diagnose? I, I, don't, I don't like fall out of the like like deep hidden away in the jungle. <laughs> There's the abyss of the hot Catholic men. They go to church every day at the chapel. <laughs> That they themselves build each day from sheer bamboo. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't. I think some of it is. I don't know. It's. it's... Do you feel
0: like you see strong Catholic like men, and maybe she's just not? I have no
1: idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh well, yeah.
0: Just just like you, Anna. He he
1: wants to know. I'm sure some of them are like oh like yeah I, that's something that it's one of the interesting things and this comes out in working with marriage prep is you have people who are open to faith or open to like, like want something that's good um, for their kids and I think like well like when we have kids we want to like bring them around the church or Catholic schools and you find people who kind of desire that but at the same time there's also like other things that you find in life and I think some of them are like well like they're not against it it's just the practicalities of we're tired and like we we like to sleep in on Sunday mornings or it's like it's like well, yeah. Like we've we know we should go to mass, and we we go every now and then. So it's I yeah. don't I don't know,
0: but yeah, I I do kind of. I guess maybe what she means by strong, maybe. uh We're the good Catholic guys. Yeah, because I, I will say I've been mean, for someone who's. Just, I don't think I fall into the, this category of like the man's man, right? <laughs> maybe sometimes it's a little bit more effeminate.
1: Where's Guy. the where's. My version of Pierre Giorgio Frasati. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Where have all the uh, cowboys gone, right? Do you know that song? Paula Cole.
1: No. Oh, you love it. to listen to this on the way to dinner.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: I'll pull it up.
0: Well, speaking of which, we should probably head out. Thank you so much for, for being a part and for taking... Um, yeah, taking the time on
1: short notice on your, Absolutely. your brief vacation, so I always know how to say something. Yeah. Whether it's not whether it's the right thing is the other question. Right. Saint <laughs> Arnold definitely helps. Oh we always pray to Saint <laughs> Arnold. Interceding for us. exactly.
0: Well, Father Brian, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I guess if people want to find you, you're at Stonehill College.
1: I work, my face is on their website. Your face is on their website. All right. (laughs) Well, thank
0: you so much. Check out Holy Cross. Holy Cross vocations. Check them out. You can get sent anywhere in the world or the University of Notre Dame. Either way, it's a win-win. Yep. So, all right. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Austin. God bless. For all the work you do. (laughs) Thanks.